What's up? What's up? What up? I don't know. Don't judge me. I don't know what that was. I just, you know, um, sometimes I feel like when I come on here because we're virtual, I feel like I'm like in the intro opening credits of Martin. So I'm like, what's up? What's up? What up? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> how y'all doing, man? How y'all feeling? Y'all, y'all look amazing. Um, man, uh, welcome back to Shift. Welcome for another. Uh, amazing evening. I appreciate you taking your time out because you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. So uh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So um, uh, I guess uh, I know I'm not in front of you guys, so I'm going to give a virtual hug, dap, what up, you know, a little whatever it is. But hey, man, I just want to say hello and welcome. Um, Tonight is, is going to be amazing. Amazing. I mean, really, there's no other, no other option for it to be. I mean, we, you here, right? And because you here, Holy Ghost is here, right? He said we're two or more gathered in His name that He is there in the midst. So that means we in for a treat because all of you have decided to to show up with Jesus. Can I get a, Amen, Amen? <laughs> all right, y'all. Um. For those that do not know, my name is Baca. I am the young adult pastor for Shift College and Young Adult Ministry. And um, yeah, you uh, you picked a great night. Uh, we are currently in our series First Love. Uh, I have been thoroughly enjoying First Love. If you missed any part, you can be sure after this, <laughs> after tonight, you can go back, you can rewatch. You can also um, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We got the episodes, uh, each of the the messages on our podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Uh, you can just look, look up Shift Young Adult. But um, tonight, man, tonight is really special because we are now in part four, or as some say, quattro. <laughs> we are in part four of First Love and um, when we first started the the first love series, it's like I, I'm not even. It's of course it's always unintentional, but in hindsight or when you look back, you start to be able to connect the dots. And when I look back, I'm like, okay, well, when we first started, we started with the love story. We started with expressing the first the first love love story of the fact that we love because God first loved us. Like, because he first loved us, that gave us the the ability to even love him. I know a lot of times we focus so much on, I love God, I love God. But we don't always take into account or even remember or remind ourselves how much he loves us. And really, that is ultimately the key. Yeah, I know you love God. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said to love God with all your heart, all your, your soul, with, with every ounce of you, Right? But when you know that he first loved you, then you can actually love. Because other than that, you you kind of shooting in the dark. If you don't know that God loves you, where where are you? You know, where where are you at? Like what are you what are you basing it on? Oh, because God is good? Okay. We love because he first loved us. So that's how we started it out. And then we went into week two. Week two, we were talking about how God is an all-in type of God. That he doesn't hold back. He doesn't he doesn't uh, give some of himself, but he literally gives it all. He's he he does not he does not shortchange when it comes into love because 
even with when it comes to God loving us, we can't look at God loving us from a place of how we view love because God doesn't have love to give. He is love and he is love that gives. That's a completely different mindset, completely different. And when you start to dig into that, you start to meditate on it, you start to roll it over. It honestly is mind blowing that he doesn't have love. He is love. So then we went into week three, which was last week. So again, this is just part four. But last week we went into uh, the end of the road. And um, I, I know that some of y'all were at home reminiscing on some boys to men. Uh, when we hit those high notes, when we, we hit the, uh, you know, hit that hook <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just being able to, to, to be reminded and really just to be able to see even, um, as we kind of took a little journey through the word of how God's love even goes to the end of the road, right? How his love, it, he's in ultimate pursuit. We talked about the, we went through the prodigal son and how, the father, like after the prodigal son just messed up everything and messed up his life, essentially, he ended up coming back to his father like, look, I, I'm stuck. I messed up. <laughs> and the dad was just pouring out because he went out to the end of the road with his love. Like, man, look, my son is back. My son was once lost, but now he is found. And that was the end of the road. But tonight, everybody say tonight. Everybody say tonight. Everybody, everybody say tonight. Everybody say tonight. Tonight we are, we're talking about one look. Just one look. That's all it takes. One look. Now, if you have, if you're uh if you haven't already caught on, then um you know that whenever I kind of go through my titles or when we set it up in the beginning, it's not something to try and figure out. <laughs> it's something to go along on the journey to go along. Um, and by the end, by the end of tonight, you will be able to sit back and say, man, okay. Okay. I see. I see. So everybody say just one look. And if you're writing notes or even if you just have a sheet of paper, um, if you want to type it in your phone, type it in the comments. I just want you to type just one look. That simple. Just one look. It's ultimately, everything changes with just one look. That's all it takes. Just one look. So I'm going to start this. Um, I'm starting tonight with, uh, you know, I'm, I'll get a little personal. But, you know, because as I said before, um, I do believe in, in sharing your life because you are a walking epistle. And as I can be transparent Maybe there's some things that God can even communicate through my transparency. Um, so, um, yeah. <laughs> Y'all ready to get into it? Awesome. Let me pray it in first because I'm, I'm really excited. And as you already know, I've been, I've been already saying, you know, God has been telling me, just slow down. You good. Slow down because I get too excited, but I've been really practicing. I feel like I've been doing a good job. So, uh, a little pat-pat, a little pat-pat-pat. So, Father God, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord, for tonight. Father, we just praise you for all that you are and that you continue to be in our lives. We thank you for tonight's message. We thank you, Lord God, for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father God, for what you have even called them to. Boy, so, Lord, I thank you for this awakening, this, this, um, this, this. I don't even want to say revival, but just this, 
this resurgence, this this renewed passion, this renewed hunger, this this drive, this 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 flame that's being fanned right now on the in, on the inside of each and every one of us to be reminded of our first love, which is you. We thank you, Lord God, that we don't have any more counterfeits. We don't have any more substitutes. We don't have any other placeholders. But, Lord God, we have now turned our attention on you. So, Lord, we thank you that throughout this night, Father, that it will be all of you and none of me, Lord. Holy Ghost, I invite you in. I invite you in. Think through my mind. Speak through my vocal cords. Let it be all of you. I am just... I, I am here to listen. I am here to learn. So, Lord, I thank you for a revelation knowledge that goes forth tonight, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that your anointing flows freely. Holy Spirit, you have free reign to interrupt, to, to, to change up, to switch up, to do whatever it is that you need to do. I am your vessel. I am your instrument. And I give you free reign to use me as you wish. So, Lord God, I thank you, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened, that we get to hear you as clear as day. I thank you, Lord, for our pastors um, Pastor, Pastor Dollar and also Pastor Taffy, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this ministry and the ability to even come together and shift. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are, and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. So uh, I've said it before, but uh, it's pretty awesome. This year marks 10 years of marriage for Yana and myself. So, Ten years, ten years. Um, the crazy thing is, today is May nineteenth, and literally twelve years ago, yesterday now, twelve years ago, I had my first conversation with Ayana. First conversation, like as far as her and I, like outside of church, outside of serving, outside of other people, our first conversation, and um. It was really cool. We we had a text conversation for hours, <laughs> and I ran out of my text messages. Uh, I was on one of those plans. I think I had like 200 text messages um, in my plan or something like that, and we killed that. <laughs> we killed it. And I didn't mind. I was like, look, I am able to talk to the girl that I saw on MySpace that eventually I started serving with, and oh my goodness, I am so excited. Um, But... I'm going to fast forward because, again, this is just 10 years. I said just like it's a little thing. But with it being 10 years, uh, I was kind of in preparing for tonight. I was doing some thinking and just kind of going over. And I was like, man, I remember um, I remember when Ayana first noticed me. Like when she first actually noticed me. Not like, oh, um, she first saw me in a, you know, at church or whatever. You know, if you heard the story already, we I first saw her on MySpace. Um, this was years ago. It was actually, I think, almost two years before this conversation that I'm talking about, That um, how we had our first actual conversation. But when um, I remember when she noticed me, it was on Easter Sunday, and it was the year 2008, <laughs> Easter Sunday. And I remember... That um, I came, I came to church, and I, you know, I told y'all already. I was, I was really, um, my my heart and my attention, my focus was, look, I'm gonna seek God because He said in His Word in Matthew that when you seek Him and His righteousness, His way of doing doing things, then all these things will be added unto you. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So I made it the point to make sure that I wanted to seek God first. I was like, I'm tired of being so focused on 
trying to find the one, trying to find my 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 companion, my my boo, somebody I can just open up to. I was tired of that. I need. I was like, I need to put my focus on seeking God, and that's what I did. So in doing that, I remember that everybody started saying I started looking different. Um, I would get stopped by different people like, man, you you beginning to work, huh? I was like, sure did, sure did. And uh, <laughs> and I think I I think I watched too much TikTok, but anyway, uh, but yeah. So I remember um, I remember for me being able to uh, go to church on that Easter Sunday, being dressed up. Like I, I went, I think I went to church by myself actually. And it was a second service. And I remember walking out, I met a guy that I was sitting next to at church and we just were like, it was just, you know, like you kind of randomly meet somebody. We were kind of just, um, you know, um, being cool at church. And I was like, man, it's kind of cool. We exchanged numbers. We walking out to the, in front of the dome, right when we walked out the dome doors out, out the corner of my eye. I think I heard a guy say, look, but I heard, it's like, I just, you know, you just feel somebody looking at you and out the corner of my eye, I looked over and Ayana was standing there and, um, you know, a little ways off, but she was standing there talking with her friends, but she was like staring at me. Like she looked at me and it wasn't no regular look. She was looking like, and I was like, Ooh, got him, got him. <laughs> So I knew um, I knew that things were different, and to be honest, that day set a course for her and I. And it just started with one look, like that's really what it started with. Um, fast forward, you know, when we got married, we got married in uh, 2010, October 23rd, which is a sanctified day. Uh, <laughs> but we got married in 2010, and even though like. No lie, I'm not saying this because she's here. I I really feel this way. Nobody's touching Ayana. Just is what it is. I think Ayana is the most beautiful um, chocolate drop, short hair, um, Nala eyes girl that I've ever seen. Like, really. And there's a lot of beautiful women in the world, but honestly, nobody's touching my wife. For me. Because that's my wife. And um, I know when I, when, when, <laughs> when we were at the, the, at the church as far as for the wedding, I remember, it's like, I was thinking like, man, like I know what she looks like, but it felt different. The fact that I'm standing there waiting for her to arrive or waiting for her to walk through the doors. Everybody's there. Everybody's quiet, like in expectation. Like, oh my goodness, this is happening. He's getting married. And I kid you not, when she opened those doors, when those doors flew open, I saw her holding holding arms uh, with her dad. I was like, my life has completely changed. Like in that moment, when the doors flew open, I was like, my life is completely changed. And I knew from one look, from one look, I knew everything was different. And it was it was honestly it was it's been an amazing ride. So. We had a lot of different things happen. Uh, we'll share more because we're, we're an open book for the most part. But um, pertaining to this message, uh, <laughs> I remember when my daughter was born. And this is fast forwarding it again. This is now 2018 when my daughter was born. Goodness. So from 2010 to 2018, my daughter came into the world. 
And I remember, you know, the fact that she was in Ayana's stomach, um, you know, we would always hear the stories of, oh, well, the baby, she, of course, she, she's, she recognized your voice. She, she knows when you're talking to her in the, in the stomach and so forth. But it was something about when it was time for her to come out. Like, all these different thoughts of what what am I to expect? How am I going to do it right? Will I be a good dad? Um, do I have everything? Am I, you know, all of these different thoughts are like rushing to my head. But I remember being in the room and when the, while the doctors were operating on, on Ayana as far as preparing for Haven's arrival, I remember sitting there and it's like I can hear everything. I, I see everybody in the room and then it got quiet. And I look up, and Haven is being carried around the curtain. And when she came around the curtain, she wasn't crying. Nothing. She just, she looked at me. And she smiled. And I was like, like, I didn't even know, like, I was so overwhelmed with emotion that I didn't even know. It's like nothing came out. Like, I didn't cry. I just was like in awe. And at that moment, with that one look, I knew my life is forever changed. Just from one look. And it's it's crazy that I've had different instances in my life of when one look happened and that one look changed or set the course or changed the course of my life. But even in those amazing moments I just mentioned, there was a moment before all of that that completely changed my life. And it was the moment when I knew that Jesus saw me. <laughs> now, I do not mean this in no deep way. This is just, this is real. <laughs> I am really talking to you. But I knew it was different when I knew Jesus saw me. And that's that's what we're talking about. So it's, it's just one look. Um, I want you to go go with me to Romans five and verse eight. Romans chapter five verse eight. All right. So Romans five <clears throat> verse eight, and I'm gonna read. I'm gonna first read it from the King James, and then I'm gonna read the Amplify, and then I'll read the message translation but i want you to i I really want you to to hear this because this is this is where we are so it says in verse eight but god commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us so i'm gonna go to the i'll go to the message first so on the message now i'm gonna have to read from six through eight because i don't want to miss nothing But it says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Boy, 
I hope y'all ready. All right, now in the Amplified version. And it reads, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were yet, but while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. Man, the fact that while we didn't have it right, while we were still messed up, while we were uh, <laughs> not aware of what's going on, whatever, however you want to try to paint the picture, God demonstrated his love for us by having Christ to die for us, by sending his son to die for us. Like his son died for us even before we knew that he had a son. Even before we were aware of our need for him as a savior, even before any of that, like before we were even thought of, before our parents were thought of, before our parents' parents' parents thought that they may want to get together to create your parents before any of that, he still said, you know what? I'm going to die for them. I'm going to give my life for them so they can have the life they're supposed to have. Boy. That's serious. So let's go to. Um, mm, it's like I have a lot of scriptures and I'm trying to see which, which way I want to go and how how we want to, I want to jump into it. But um, I'll say this, and especially for the sake of time. Um, all right, so we know like how we talked about in the first, um, in the the first part of the first love series, we, we talked about the love story and how the fact that God created us, even though he created us, we sinned after us sinning, the rest of the story was about us coming back together about us coming back as a family, about us coming back to our father, about us coming back to our first love. So God had a plan to get us back connected with him, to get us back right with him. And that's really what the whole thing is about. It's about us returning back to our first love. So we know that when the fact that God told Adam, he said, if you eat of this tree, the tree of knowledge, if you eat of it, then you're going to die. <laughs> it just is what it is. There's no way to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say you might know you're going to die. But we also know that what that also what that eventually uh illustrated or, or showed us was when God said that you will surely die, it's like the death cycle was set in motion. So he was saying you will surely die, but you're really going to be cut off from me. You're going to be separated from me. And that's not what God wants. And I'm going to just share this because this is on my heart. Um, if you didn't know, and I, I definitely encourage you to go back and to, to milk it, to, to read it, to examine, to study it. But study out even when God first created all of us. And when he created us and placed Adam in the garden and how God was literally walking with Adam. He was teaching Adam. He was showing, pretty much showing Adam the ropes. He was showing him how to be God on earth. That's what that's what God was doing. He was he was pouring himself into Adam, right? And eventually God saw, he was like, man, it is not good for man to be alone. So that's why God put Adam to sleep, took a rib out, created Eve, created the woman. And although that was awesome, what I also want you to, to be able to see when you do go into to study it and to look into it, you'll you'll start to see how 
just how how much of how how intentional God was to wanting to walk with us and to father us, right? Like he wasn't just like, oh, I'm gonna create all of this. All right, Adam, boop, figure it out. Like he was literally breathing and speaking through Adam. He was showing Adam how to be him here. So that then Adam would have kids and Adam would duplicate the same process. And it was supposed to be this lineage of little gods on this earth. And, and, and these little gods would be God's family. And I believe that was ultimately the intent, like God, because God created us to be, have a family. It was like, I want my family. I want, I want my people who are not only um, free moral agents where they can think on their own, but they also can say, you know what? I'm created to be just like my dad. And that's, honestly, that's, that's really awesome. But I just really encourage you to go look at it. Um, so let me jump right back into it. Uh, we do know when you eventually get to uh, Genesis 2.17, like I said, that's when God told Adam that, you know, if you eat of this tree, you will die. You will be separated from me. So I want us to go back to, let's go to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. All right, so 6.23 reads, For the wages which sin pays is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm sorry, I was in the Amplified Version, so let me just read it as King James. We know it. Uh, we've, we've seen it on bumper stickers, all of that. <laughs> For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life um, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I wanted to read that simply because the fact that when they ate of the tree, sin entered, and that was death. So the only payment for sin to be pretty much to be gone or to be rid of was death. Like that was the payment. Like because sin came in, the only payment was death. And that's what we just read, that the wages of sin is death. But let's go back to to Romans 5. And I want to read to you verses. I know we already read verse 8. I want to read verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read it from the message translation. All right, so Romans 5, verses 1 through 7, it reads, By entering through faith into what God has already always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open, door, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the open, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us, and how that patience in turn forego, forges, I'm sorry, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. And alert expectations such as this. I'm, I'm like, really, let me slow down. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. 
And that's where we get into Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. So I read all that because that literally, even though that's Romans 5, that's what I said as far as God having a plan and coming together saying, you know what, let me get my family back. And I'm going to read it one more time just because I want to make sure that you saw it. Um, By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown his his door to us, thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. An alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. God not wanting to hold anything back. God wanting to set us right, make us right, no longer separated from us. God saying, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm not even trying to hold an ounce of who I am from you. I want to pour it all and I want to walk with you the way that I walk with Adam. God doing all this, God saying all this. And then in verse six, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He didn't say, oh, you know what? 2020, uh, let's see. On May 20th at 5 p.m., I'm going to come and I'm going to die because now it's the time. I'm going to die. I'm going to die on May 20th at 5 p.m. to make sure everybody good. No, he doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. I love you so much that regardless of where you are and what you're doing, I've already decided, even while you're messing up, that I'm going to do this because I love you. Man, listen, listen. And even if we hadn't been so weak, if we were strong and we, 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 we could figure it out on our own, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. It just don't make no sense, man. Like, like just being honest, like this, it just doesn't make no sense. It just doesn't make no sense. Like, why, why are you this good? Like, why did you say, even when while you're being rebellious, even while you, while you're out there having your hot girl summer, even while you're out there uh, scamming people, even while you're out there misleading, even while you're out there messing up, even while you're out there thinking that you got it all, even while you're out there self-righteous, even while you're out there trying to, um, instead of coming back to the first love, trying to see what other loves you can round up, 
even while you're out there, I'm going to be so generous with my love that you can't even contain it. Man, it don't make no sense. It don't, it don't make no sense. So, ooh, well, this time is really going by fast. All right, let me just um let me just do this. Let me let me let me let me round this off for you. Let me let me let me uh go ahead and just drive this thing home for you. All it takes is one look, right? All it takes is one look. A lot of us as young adults, no matter where you are, a lot of us have this idea that when it comes to God, that we have to be ready for God, that we have to, we got to have it figured out. We, we have to, um, we gotta, we gotta memorize Bible verses. We gotta, we gotta know what everything means. We gotta know the Greek and the Hebrew. We gotta like, unless we are perfect, God doesn't want to have to do nothing. He doesn't want to have anything to do with us unless we're perfect. I don't know. Maybe we were just lied to. Maybe we are comparing ourselves to the people that we feel are perfect, that they're being blessed and taken care of. But this is the reality. This is the reality. The reality is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That does not mean while you had it all together, Christ died for us. We just read that anybody, I mean, anybody can die for somebody worth dying for. You know what? You're a good man. No, not you. I'll take your place. Take me instead. Shoot me. Like anybody can die for somebody worth dying for. But could you die for somebody that's not worth it? <laughs> could you die for somebody that's not worth it? I'm, I'm, the fact that God, Wherever you are, the fact that you, we, we have these ideas that, that we're, we're worthless. Just being honest, we, we have that idea. We say, you know what? I'm not worth nothing. I'm, I'm worthless. Nobody cares about me. Um, no, nobody cares. Let's, let's just say that that's what it is. I remember, I remember when, and I'm gonna say this really fast, but I remember when, um, I may have been 12 or 13 years old and I remember feeling that nobody cared about me and that nobody would miss me if I wasn't around that not that I was a mistake, but that my presence just didn't matter. I remember me and my little brother were fighting cause we, we fought all the time. That's just what we did. That's what boys do. We were fighting and I remember him crying and my mom was like, um, like I would get in trouble when he started crying. <laughs> so he was crying and my mom was like, look, you could have hurt him. You're so much bigger than him and such and such and blah, blah. Cause I'm, I'm, uh, two years older now, but she was pretty much saying that, you know, I could hurt him. And what if I would have hurt him? What would I say? Oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, for me at that time, that really, that really hit a nerve because I was like, I feel like I was always messing up. I feel like I just wasn't getting right. I feel like I just... I, it started to feed into those thoughts of maybe I'm a mistake. Um, maybe I don't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter from here. Um, and I just started to accept it, to be honest. Um, so much so that I, I, I started to cry out for ultimately it was attention. I started to cry out because I was like, I don't want, 
I, I don't feel like I matter. So I decided that day that I was going to take my life. I said, I was like, you know what? I don't matter. Um, but in me deciding that I was going to take my life, um, I told y'all before, I don't like blood. So I remember <laughs> there was a pair of scissors in the room. I looked at it. I said, no, it's too messy. I can't do that. That's just nasty. I, I can't cut myself. So I tried to I tried to um, wring a towel around my neck to pretty much let it end. Um, but the crazy thing is, I actually didn't want to end. I just wanted to know that I was loved. And I'm saying this in hindsight because at the time I thought I wanted it to end. But I remember trying to choke myself with a towel, wrung it around my neck, thinking that I was going to do it, that I was going to finish it. And my older brother saw me and he was like, you know, like, what are you doing? And tried to, um, pretty much he was wrestling the, the towel on my, sorry, my little brother tried. And I knew that I could overpower him. So I was like, no, this is it. I'm, I'm done. I don't matter. Nobody cares about me. So my little brother got my older brother. He ran in and he's stronger. So he overpowered me. And he, he said to me, he was like, what are you doing? Like, and I, was, I told him, I don't matter. Like there's pretty much nobody cares about me. And he said some, some things to me that, that really helped me. But ultimately what, what happened was I felt that I was seen. I felt that he saw me. And it's, it's been years and I don't have those thoughts anymore. Um, but my point in even bringing it up is I felt that I was seen. I don't know where you are. I don't know what thoughts may be plaguing your mind, especially with us on this uh, quarantine vacation. I don't know what um, what thoughts are trying to, to come at you, um, but I do know that with me sharing this, I'm sharing this specifically for somebody, and that might be you. Um, if you feel like nobody cares because you feel like you're worthless, you feel like you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have any significance. You feel like I just want to end it because this is it. Um, it doesn't matter. Like nobody checks on me. Nobody cares if I'm around. Nobody cares if anything happens. You have the, you flirt with the thoughts of, I hope or I wish something would happen just enough so I can know that somebody cares. I first want you to know that you're not by yourself. But secondly, I want you to know that the fact that Christ, while we were yet sinners, God put his love on the line by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use. So you're feeling like you're useless. But the fact that God, while we were yet sinners, God put his love on the line. Now, I've said this to you before, and this is definitely a, a, another instance of it to know that when it comes to when it comes to God's word, you can't just read it and just run past it. It reads, God put his love on the line. He put his love on the line. But God is love. So God put his self on the line just for you. And in putting his self on the line, he said, you know what? 
I'm going to come as my son. And even, even as you reject me, I'm still going to die for you because I love you that much. So you can be looking for the validation. You can be looking for the acceptance from every other place. But there's one person that just wants you to look at them one time. One time and see that they've been looking at you the entire time. Because the moment you notice their gaze, the moment that you notice their eyes and you lock in, the moment you see, you see me. The moment you see that he sees you, he sees you as you are. He sees you with your mess ups. He sees you in your attempts at perfection. He sees you in your lows. He sees you in your highs. He sees you. And even in all of your crap that you feel like I'm so worthless, he still said, I'll die for you even when you are of no use to me. Because he put his love on the line. Not me, because if it was me, I couldn't put my love on the line like that. But the fact that he put his love on the line, sending his only son to say, you know what? I love you that much that while you are, while you are separated from me, I'm going to fix it. Do you know what that looks like? Do you know what that looks like to, to walk into a store? And say that, oh, I need, to, I need to buy some clothes. I need to buy this or I need to pay this bill or whatever the case may be. And to walk in and they tell you, don't worry about it. Keep your money. It's already been paid for. What do you, what do you mean it's already been paid for? The fact that somebody came in and, and you said, oh, man, it's, it's so much going on. I just, I just need to be able to go get some food for my family and blah, blah. And you walk in and you try to pay and they say, hey, don't worry about it. It's already been taken care of. When you're sitting there saying, man, I, I got all these, I need to pay my student loan. I think they're going to try to come after me. I've been hearing all these stories. And you call to find out what your balance is. And they say, hey, it's already handled. Somebody already took care of it. However you want to paint it, the fact that it has already been taken care of before you were even thought of, that should be an indication that you've been seen. That you've been seen, that he sees you. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know exactly who this is for. But what I do know is to have what it is that I'm talking about tonight, to be completely interrupted, to make sure that I look you dead in your eyes and let you know that it's been handled. That's not a small thing. Because he sees you. He sees you. But this is even this is even another thing, too. If you remember, um, and I, I cannot go to it, I can't show all the scriptures right now for the sake of time, but I'm I'll paraphrase. You know when 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 Jesus was hung, hanging on the cross, he's he's hanging on the cross, and this this is what this is what I heard in my spirit as I was reading it, as I as I as I've been seeing it, as God has been showing me. He's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? But the entire time, Jesus has always said, me and the Father, is, we're one. The Bible also says that Jesus thought it not robbery to, to, see him, to call himself equal with God, to see himself on the same level as God. 
But while he's hanging on the cross, he's, he cries out and say, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you left me? To his dad. But not too long after that, Jesus said that it was finished. And he gave up the ghost. What I saw in between that was the fact that Jesus became sin and God had to turn his back on him because he can't be in the presence of it. But when Jesus became sin, he actually became you. He actually became me. He actually became each and every one of us. He became us and God because we were separated from God. But he became us so we will never be separated again. God saw that us being separated from him wasn't right. So Jesus filled in for us so that we can be filled up by him. I'm going to repeat that one more time. God saw that us being separated from him wasn't right. So Jesus filled in for us so that we can be filled up by him. He chose you. You might feel like you're not significant. You might feel like there, you don't, you, there's no reason for you to be here. You might, you might be having those thoughts and those thoughts might be trying to, trying to um, consume your mind right now. First off, we bind those thoughts up. Because that's not you. That's not for you. And all of that fear, <laughs> God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Well, why do I have fear? Because you've been entertaining the thoughts. You've been dating them. But what I need you to know and what I need you to see is that the more you look around at everything that's bothering, the more you look around at the stuff that's weighing heavy, the more you're looking at the, the depressive thoughts, the more you're looking at the negativity, the more you're looking at all of these things, you're denying the fact that your father, the one that said, I love you in spite of everything that's going on, even though you're separated from me, I'm still going to die for you and take your place so you don't have to go through what's meant for you. So God said, hey, you're mine. And this whole thing, this whole thing is about you. This whole thing is about you. I'm going to read one more scripture and then I'm, I'm going to close. Uh, Genesis 7 I'm sorry, Genesis 2, verses 7 through 11. I want to read this to you really quick. And I'm just going to read it um, just kind of kind of quickly. But 7 through 11. Uh, let's see, New Living. All right. So Genesis 2. I'm sorry, Genesis 3. I was in the wrong chapter. Genesis 3, 7 through 11. There we go. I was about to say. All right, so Genesis 3, 7 through 11. So this was after, after Adam and Eve ate of the tree. So in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees together and made themselves apron-like girdles. 
In verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In verse 9, it says, But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? In verse 10, he said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then in verse 11, it says, And he said, God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you to commanded you that you should not eat? He said to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? Where did you get this from? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you don't matter? Who told you that you're insignificant? Who told you that, that you... You were a mistake. Who told you that? Because it didn't come from me. It didn't come from me as your father. Who told you that? And what God wants you to know tonight is that it only takes one look from him to change your life. And he's asking Will you put your eyes on him for a moment? Will you put your eyes on him to see him so that he can show you who you really are? Because who told you that you're something that he didn't create you to be? He didn't create you with fear. But for some reason, we keep adopting what everyone is passing out rather than accepting the life that he gave to us. So who told you that you weren't worth anything? And who told you that you don't matter? This is God's response to that last question. You matter to me. And you matter to me so much that I made all of this matter just for you. I made all of this happen just for you. You matter to me that much. And it shouldn't matter what everybody else is saying. And it shouldn't matter what everybody else is thinking. And it shouldn't matter what everybody, everybody else is trying to get you to believe. What should matter is that you matter to me. Because that's all that matters. And the moment you see that, the moment you see that, you'll see that your life has been completely changed and it only took one look father god i thank you and i praise you for this evening i thank you lord god for the words that were spoken i thank you lord god for the lives that are impacted i thank you lord god for your heart being demonstrated and expressed tonight i thank you lord for the persons that you are speaking directly to lord that you have already arrested them where they are and you're showing them yourself as clear as day. I ask that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened and they get to see you for who you are. None of the fake stuff, none, none of the religious stuff, but who you are as their daddy. 
And I thank you for that right now, Father. I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, that after tonight, they will be completely changed because it only took one look. And Father, I thank you that your word will not returning to you void, but it will accomplish that to which you have sent it to do. And I declare that the, the depressive, the suicidal, those dark thoughts, I declare that those thoughts cease in the name of Jesus. I bind them up right now. No negative thoughts. No more. I thank you, Lord, for expressing your love to each of us individually and uniquely. And I thank you, Father God, that from here on out, our eyes will be fixed on you and not on what everyone else is trying to get us to pay attention to. So I praise you for that right now, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for saving us, for freeing us, and for taking our place. We don't deserve you. We don't deserve you, Lord. But I thank you that even when we feel like we don't matter, you prove to us that we do matter. That while we were yet sinners, you still died even though we were of no use to you. So I thank you, Lord. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God loves you. He loves you too much, man. And nothing about you is a mistake. All right? So, I pray that you guys got some things out of tonight. I pray that tonight blessed you that um, that that you received what you were what you came to receive. And um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um. Man, God is so good. God is so good. I I don't I don't deserve his goodness. And the more I focus on how much he loves me, the more I'm overwhelmed by his goodness. I almost sometimes feel like when I focus on how much I love him, I kind of get blinded by and and forget how good he is. And it may not make sense to some, I don't know, but it makes sense when I said it. I know, I know what I was saying. <laughs> but um, God is good, man. God is so good. He's so good. And we do not deserve him. We don't. But because he's so good, he still gives us all of him even when we don't deserve it. So, oh, whew. I'm going to have to take a walk or something after this. Uh, <laughs> but listen, man, I just want to say thank you for, um, for joining. And what I definitely want to make sure to do, and I, I just, I ask that we all just do this. Um, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know 
where you are with your walk. I don't I don't know. I don't know if you had the point of saying, you know what, I'm about ready to give up and to just let go of what I believe. I don't know. I don't. But what I do know is God is calling us back. This is a recall. Like, you know, when uh when you when um new cars come out, and it's funny that sometimes it always happens when it's like, oh well, the 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 20 um 2018 models we're going to recall them all because there was a defect here or on um, on whatever model we're going to recall them and they call them back to the to the factory and they they while they're at the factory they make sure that everything's up to factory standards and they upgrade systems they they replace things they change they they clean they freshen they they just they make sure it's what it's supposed to be right I feel that that's what's going on right now, that all of us are being recalled to our factory condition. All of us are being recalled. Some of us are choosing not to take, not to go back to the factory because we feel like we go back to the factory that um, we might lose our settings. You're not going to you lose your settings. <laughs> God uses your settings. You're not going to lose your settings. Who you are, God uses that. So he's not going to, like destroy your settings, he's going to upgrade your systems. But he's calling us back home. Come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. So I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Father God, I choose to come back. I choose you. I want my first love back. Restore me. Upgrade me. Fix whatever it needs to be fixed. And I receive your upgrade right now. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>